Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein, artist, educator, advocate, activist. Shirley Woodson, my guest today, is one a hell of a creative heavyweight. At 85, the artist and former school teacher is being celebrated with her first one-woman show at the prestigious Detroit Institute of Arts, which happens to be her hometown museum. The solo exhibition titled Shield of the Nile Reflections focuses on the river's importance to civilization. This quote from the DIA, Shirley's collection presents her vibrant, dreamlike paintings of black bathers in rivers, honoring the diasporic myth that the Nile holds transformative and nurturing benefits for people of African descent. Recognized for her brilliant and intensely colorful paintings, Shirley made her artistic debut in 1960. And in the decades since, her art has been exhibited here, there, and everywhere. Then there's her work as curator and art consultant, organizing exhibitions and collections, including the Howard University Museum of Art, the National Black Fine Art Festival Olympic Exhibition in Atlanta, the annual Detroit Public Schools Exhibition. Speaking of public school, Shirley spent 26 years teaching art to high school and college students. As for her education, Shirley received a bachelor and master's in painting from Wayne State University, including graduate studies at Chicago's School of the Art Institute. So much to talk about. So let's meet and get to know Shirley Woodson. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me remotely today from Detroit. Thank you, Sandy. It's great to be on your show. Shirley Never having been somebody comfortable around a paintbrush or even crayons, talk to me about how you and art got started. Was this something cultivated in you at a young age? Well, yes, I would I would say so. As long as I can remember, um, I've been a maker, um, drawing and uh, sewing and cutting and pasting and you know those were in the early times and then when I entered school you know it was just a natural thing for me to do you mean when you were in elementary school and it came time yeah 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 I'm saying yeah I just mean that I mean it was just one of I mean whether I had an art class Mm -hmm. at that particular grade level or not it had nothing to do with my production I was always making art and so that was something that was a real natural act for you, even at a very young age. Yes. Yes, it was. And wherever I found the opportunities um, to be an artist, um, I followed along with that. But I did, I did make my own declaration at age 14 that I would be an artist. I had just, you know, come to high school and I was taking piano lessons at the time. As well, you know, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't necessarily the greatest student Mm -hmm. um, because it took time to practice. And that wasn't really something I really enjoyed doing, Mm -hmm. but I did enjoy, you know, I I was painting and uh, I had been selected uh, in the seventh grade by my art teacher to go to the uh, special they called them talented art classes. And um, that 
they were also held at the uh, Detroit Institute of Arts. And students from all over the city would attend every Saturday. Once I started in seventh grade, I really was in the program throughout through high school. So all of this clearly was a natural act for you. Art spoke to you and you fostered this wonderful relationship that goes back so many years. How was that received at home? Were your parents encouraging of that? Were they supportive? Oh, yes, totally. Right. Because, you know, they had to sign all the permission slips. So (laughs) for attendance and that kind of thing. And, you know, I had to get to the Art Institute. I took the bus and Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing, which, um, you know, that was my Saturday. Those were my Saturdays. And my parents always encouraged me. You know, it's so funny for, for so many of the women that I have interviewed and talked about their creativity. It was in a way larger than they. This was something that they had to do, whatever it might be, whether it was painting or writing or singing, it needed to be fostered. That's what they needed to do. And it sounds like that this was bigger than you. Not to ignore it would have been the wrong thing. Well, it was, I mean, it was just associated with so many things. It just wasn't me making, but it was with me learning so much about the world around me because uh, you studied art from around the world especially going to the museum on Saturdays those were because we worked right there in the galleries uh we might you know the various um you know we might be in the uh the section um, that featured Dutch artists we might be in the section that uh, featured Italian artists. We might be in the section that included, um, you know, the art of Egypt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and everyone was excited about, you know, those um, places. And just to see beautiful paintings. And with me going so regularly, of course, I, I knew the museum backwards and forwards where this was. So during those Saturdays, I could go and visit another room, whether we were working in that room or not, I could always go and just check to see if my favorite painting was still where it was the week before. And uh, and it also just with other students involved in the same practice, um, you know, I just knew I was in the right place. It wasn't just me alone. And so I understood this as being an activity that is really um, a necessity out here. I mean, it's explaining not just to me, but any visitor who would come. So I knew of right away of the importance of art. Was that a transcendence for you that when you were, whether it was sitting at the Detroit Institute of Art, taking your Saturday classes or making your art, whether it be home or in school, was this something that was bigger than you, that you had to do this? Oh, yeah. It was a to- total necessity. For example, in high school, I took French. And, of course, I had something to associate with France. And those were the French painters. Mm-hmm. And so my next thought would be, well, when I go to France, I'm going to look up these painters. And therefore, I went to France. (laughs) Uh So 
you know, I mean, so it's like a connection there that it's a thread and you just weave it together. You, you weave your, your threads and um, you follow that. But it's also a path that yes. you oh, definitely. yourself on and that you, yeah, there was no, there was no veering off of that, you know, no. that, that what you needed to do, you were doing. What spoke to you back in your early years? It Was it painting and was it painting landscapes? Was it painting people? What, what back then was your connection in terms of what you produced? Well, well basically, um, I would say, you know, you were in school, you were working on the various assignments. So as you say, the landscape, the still life study, all of those um, portraits. And then there were the things you didn't understand. And those were the abstractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then that was another whole venture that was placed and another option. But my my basic tools were always painting. I I did take all of the other courses, all the other art courses, uh, printmaking, sculpture, metals, uh, design. Mm-hmm. They called it the, at that time advertising design. Hmm. Uh, and of course, the computer took care of all that. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so my foundation is very good, of course, along with I have a minor in art history. And so which gave me. Uh, you know, an opportunity to focus deeply into periods, trends, those those part of the uh, process, which, you know, that's once you step out of the studio, uh, you are, there are all these categories out here for you to fit into. Then there's the marketplace, which develops the concept of trends, you know, what's everybody doing now? Mm-hmm. Because uh, the marketplace is about selling. And so you under- learn to understand what that concept is all about and that activity. And then, of course, I became very interested in teaching. You know, I just always enjoyed sharing. So I was, I took the courses that would also allow me to uh, to teach. So you knew you were going to marry, maybe teaching might not necessarily have been a passion of yours, but you were going to marry the practicality of that with the passion that was your art. You know, I couldn't see where one ended and the other began. I couldn't see an ending. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always saw it as one thing for me. Right. You know, I mean, you know, time is also an issue. Well, when are you going to do this? Are you going to do it? You know, is it all day or, you know, what's planned? So you simply make the plan and you get it all in. That's all. Did you have a lot of support and encouragement? My teaching began because I became a part of a group of um, practicing artists who were also teachers. And so you find streams of communication, you know, that you're not all out there all by yourself doing this. Mm -hmm. So early on, my work was purchased as soon as I got out of school. Out of what school? College? College. Right. Okay. So, so here you are at Wayne State, as well as the 
School of the Art Institute in Chicago. And is that what put it all together for you in terms of a focus? Right. It was basically the center going to school and working and, I mean, working and teaching. Um, I did substitute teaching after I got my um, my Bachelor of Science degree, my BS degree, BFA rather, Bachelor mm-hmm. of Fine Arts degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I uh, went back to school and got the, you know, the certification um, requirements. But I do remember one of the counselors that I was speaking to relative to, you know, what courses am I going to take and that sort of thing. Well, they said, well, you have enough to teach. That was right after I got my BFA. And instructors said, oh, you have enough to teach. And I said, yes, but I don't know enough. Yeah, I, I was just thinking the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did. I mean, and, and many and many of my dear friends, I mean, we're all still working together. They did get their certification process, you know, along when I did. but I wanted to finish the BFA and then go on for my uh, master's within fine arts, within continue painting. But I, I just said, I just didn't feel, well, I knew I didn't know enough. I mean, I had art history and I had, you know, a couple courses here, but I continued my study in, in art history as a graduate student. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, I just, I didn't know enough. And I wanted to know more. And I guess, and and I'm a lifelong researcher and student and writer about art anyway. So I can see it. Not, nothing is ever enough. <laughs> sure, know, that sure sounds like that. that. Yes, that, yeah, you, that yeah. you just were a sponge and you just couldn't get <laughs> everything that you needed. I mean, you were just sort of soaking it all up. Did right. um, Were you at that time selling your work? Yes. Yes, I was exhibiting, um, and uh, I I was selling. I had er- I have collectors from early on. So here you are, what in your twenties? Yes, and you're really making a name for yourself, which is probably not all that common. A back in the day, and B based on your age. You know, there were many of us out there, but and everybody did what they did. But I mean, I just. If there was an opportunity to engage in a new, a new medium, a new expression, I worked with um, Broadside Press here in Detroit, which was a young, um, new publishing company, which has, um, you know, turned out to be a, a very historically important one. But I began to, I met the editor, and he asked if I would design some of the covers and broadsides for his publication, which I did. You so know. you were illustrating? Yes. And that was a first for you? Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, illustrating a, a book cover? Oh, my goodness, yes. Hmm. I mean, exciting. And I used the medium that I normally use. I mean, they weren't, I didn't do a painting. I actually was involved in whatever the subject was of the, um, you know, the book and uh, interpreted my ideas and the ideas of the uh, poet um, Mm -hmm. on the cover. And so that was a totally different experience. And I did that for several years and um, over the years, I should say. But I mean, that was just an activity that I did that I 
really enjoyed, but it turned out to be um, a very important one in my work as well. Your work is also political. Yes. Why? I mean, all art is political. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, uh, that's why they have in the White House, they got all those presidents' portraits of them, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What was that drive? What was it in you that was translated onto that canvas? Well, since uh, art is political, everything you look at, you know, has several meanings. Uh, I often looked at uh, Picasso's Guernica, which was the war scene. Right. And uh, uh, the anguished faces and the masks and, you know, that very important uh, work related to that time in history. So I basically, you know, you those are recordings. Those are, you know, recordings of history. Uh, And so my work had that same bent or that same purpose. As I said, in art, that's what, I mean, that's what artists do. I mean, if you want, let me see how I can say this. I mean, it's a natural thing. Why else would you put it? Why else would you do it if it wasn't to express your time, the time you live in, if it wasn't to express an observation? that you made, um, I mean, you're expressing something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how we know about our history. I mean, that's why the, you know, the museums all over the world are filled with the work from that place and the work they took from other places, claiming their victories. So Shield of the Nile, which I referenced in the introduction, which is what is being exhibited at the Detroit Institute of the Arts, Talk to me about the genesis of those paintings, which are bold and colorful and powerful, and how one can't walk from room to room in that museum and not have a visceral reaction to what they see on the wall. The paintings that are there, the earliest uh, being uh, 1984, was a part of a whole you know, years of paintings in between that were about that subject. The, that work was um, the main work, which is called Shield of the Nile, um, shows um, a woman in the water. Uh, and I chose water basically because um, you either, you know, you're either on land or you're in the water. The water is um, the basic element on our planet. I mean, Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. the planet is water. We're water. But I mean, Mm -hmm. the planet is water. And so I I placed the figures uh, in water because of the healing, uh, the the healing, uh, the nurturing, uh, the life source of, of human beings. And so. I thought I, you know, I mean, I was sort of, I wasn't compelled. I didn't say, well, I think I'll lose some water. It, it came through, you know, several other painting experiences and, and references. Mm-hmm. And so the Nile was my major reference uh, at that time uh, through other paintings that I had done. It became very natural to me. I mean, I just, 
I felt the figures are there. They're surviving. They're being renewed. They're being refreshed. You know that if you, when you are in the water, you know that you are not, you are in another kind of place, you know, and you react differently there. You know, I mean, so it was like to gather the viewer into a whole feeling of, um, of another space and time and that we're a part of that. Well, those feelings can run the gamut from yes. the, the the joy of being in the water to the oh, yes. fear of being in the water. All of that. And yes. Of that. It, it's, it's so layered and it's all so powerful. In addition to which, the Nile in its place in history is mammoth. Again, its importance to civilization. Yes, yes. Well, those are those are the you know, resources and those are the reasons um, that group of paintings um, sort of ushered me into another, a new concept of, um, of working. Um, and then I added some, you know, works or, or objects like the shell and the fish, you know, all of which are living things. Uh, that are also that also inhabit the water, and uh, which added to the, uh, you know, the the whole environment. And so there are a lot of references, you know, from the Nile, and then, and then at some points within that blue water, that you know that is seen, uh, the water turns red at some point. Sometimes the water is orange, but it's getting the viewer to feel a comfort and a willingness to enter the space. That's interesting, a comfort and a willingness as opposed to feeling on some level overwhelmed by what he or yes. she is seeing. Yes, yes. Uh, I. It's not to frighten or command, it, it's to invite. I, you know, I was looking at it from that perspective as well. What is that like for you? And what does that mean that in certain of your paintings, there are no faces? Well, again, that was a way of the viewer putting themselves in that situation. Mm -hmm. Also Mm -hmm. a way of um, not trying to identify who that personage might be. I have mirrors there, too. In the work, some of my works where there's a reflection and the only the reflection of a person in the water means that you don't see that person, but they are in the water. And because the situation of the paintings, the person is probably that you see in the water is probably you, the viewer. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was my that was my thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How. Well received has your art been? Well, with this exhibition, it's it's been fantastic. I mean, I've just you've been deified, huh, Shirley? Well, I don't think that, but <laughs> I <laughs> not deified. But um, people are really have been drawn to the work. Um, you know, basically because it hasn't been seen. You know, I mean, you have your audience is my audience has grown with the coverage that I've received. So I, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased about that, but it does let you know how important art is 
and that um, it is not, you know, something for the elite, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and it has nothing to do with the cost because we know how people deal with costs. I said the marketplace is another whole animal. So uh, you've got to, you know, that's just not the reference uh, with this or, or even a trend. Mm-hmm. What is that like to react to this big show in your hometown? And I am going to reference age at, at 85 and that you're still so vibrant and still so important. And art is just such a part of who you are. Is So in that case, is it fair to say that age is just a number? Well, yes, because this is my first experience being this age. And <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been 85 before? In I, other haven't words? Been 80, I haven't been 85 before. No, and no rehearsal, huh? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, like, well, what's coming up? And so, uh, no, this is, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really pleased. I'm, and why would one stop working? You know, I mean, I mean, there is no cutoff. Um, it's not, you know, it's not written in any law book. Okay, now you're yep. 60, you're out of here. Yeah, <laughs> hang up that brush, woman. <laughs> right, How? well, and then the other thing would be, well, what would I do? I mean, I've been doing this all this time. So, uh, and plus I got, I you know, I have many more ideas that I want to, that I'm, you know, that I'm getting to. So this is okay with me. I'm fine. Have, uh, do you, do you paint every day? No, I don't paint every day, but I, artists don't work every day, mm-hmm. uh, but they write, they research, they, or they'll say we um, research, you know, we might draw or something that might take photographs, organize. One of the great sculptors uh, of our time said the best, what he enjoyed most was cleaning up after. <laughs> he had done work, mm-hmm. you know, sweeping the floor, uh, getting the, all the marble chips up. In other words, just clearing so that it would be ready. Studio would be ready to begin again. Do you like the term work, that this is your work and that when you're in the studio, you are working? Yeah, I, that's a good term. I mean, that's what it is. I like work. I mean, As opposed I, I, to just... Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm so in awe of of the talent and the creativity of of people like you because it's so out of my purview. What I can do is certainly absorb and be impressed by and be impacted by. And I guess sometimes the means to the end may be lost on some of us. That maybe being in front of a, a blank canvas is not always a natural act for a painter. People would say, oh, I know you just love to paint. I mean, you can just go in the studio and just sit back and relax. That's the last place that you are sort of laid back and with a lemonade in your hand or something like that. No, 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 no. It's a very, doing your work is um, it's very challenging. It's very challenging. You know, I mean, when you're finished, it's the most pleasurable thing, but you don't dwell on it because you're ready for the next thing. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're just ready for the next one. But no, usually what happens is um, you have your, you know, got this canvas in front of you and then you lay the ground on, uh, you know, which is to put a first put a color on. And then you start laying out your ideas and and um, every, everything is going well. And uh, you work on it for a few hours and you're pleased and you come back the next day and it still looks pretty good. And you keep, you know, you're working. And then about the third day, the honeymoon is over (laughs) and uh, you have laid out your plan and now you have to figure it out. And that's when the that's reality, when the reality reality hits. hits, when the reality hits. And you'll say, oh, my God, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just mean, it's it's you. You set your plan out, but now you've got to work out all the details. We'll say it that way. Right. That you might not have been aware of before. But that also means that there's a flexibility. What you might have had in the back of your mind is not necessarily what's translated onto the canvas, which is not a bad thing. You never know what you're going to end up with, I would venture to say. I would venture to say, you know what you'd like it to be. And then as you work, you'll say, well, no, that's not quite it. And then that's not quite it. And that's not quite it. That part over there is it. But I got to let, I've got to start and catch up with what I really liked. And so it's a back and forth, you know, that part of creativity, which is really putting, putting the work now, now speaking of it as the individual work putting the piece, putting the painting um, together, I mean, Mm -hmm. to to come to to a solution for this plan that you've laid out. And so in that way, I usually work, and many artists work this way, I work on more than one at a time. Oh, okay. So while you're working here, you're starting some other things, and while you're starting some other uh, pieces, uh, you look back at that first one and you'll say, okay, well, when I get back over there, I'm going to do this and that. And, but meanwhile, so that, you know, kind of leads to the connectivity of one work to another and, you know, getting this grand statement together. Why in some of your paintings is there no facial features? The The facial features maybe indicate a very, Sometimes a very quick decision. I think I'll put this face. But what I found over, what I found that I really enjoy leaving them open so that, uh, again, the viewer can step in and be a part of that process, can imagine that imagination, that um, query into what this might mean. And so they, it gives them an opportunity to step into the work and um, maybe look at it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Kind of a different projection. Right, right. And then, and then I always like uh, works. I, I like to do work that uh, post questions, you mm-hmm. know. Make us think? Well, yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What about the political part of that? Is that a factor? Well, yeah, I, I, want, you to, I want you to see my viewpoint. I want mm. you to. And maybe associate it with something you've been thinking, you know. Right, right. Uh, Right. What was that like for you to be approached 
by the Detroit Institute of Arts and their request to uh, stage a retrospective of your work. That was uh, terribly huge. It was a phone call. I mean, there was a phone, it wasn't a letter. There was a phone call. And, um, you know, my mouth opened and I was <laughs> once again speechless. <laughs> but were you surprised? Uh, totally. Why? I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm 85, so. Yeah, but you're, but you're a heavyweight, <laughs> sure. No, no. Understanding that, understanding that, but uh, I'm glad that I'm, you know, I'm very pleased that uh, I was invited. I really am. I mean, I was very pleased and honored. Well, to be, certainly to be gotten in. a lot of press and how nice for you to have that spotlight shine on you and on your creativity. Well, um, I think it's it's been wonderful. And yes, it has been, you know, after I was on the Sunday morning show. CBS uh, Sunday morning. That's where I saw you. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the phone started ringing and it was like three calls layered. You know, one, I could only take one call and then I'm quickly writing the number down of the next call so I could call them back. And then both, both phones were ringing at the same time. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. And of course, the first calls were, the first calls were not from anyone here in Detroit. The first calls, uh, one was from California, one was from Atlanta, you know, I mean, they were just all over the place. They were calling. I, we hadn't even gotten into hometown yet. Uh, but, um, you know, I was getting emails and all kinds of things. But, uh, yeah, people were really excited uh, and, um, you know, we're, as I understand, the uh, attendance has been very good for people coming to see the show. And that, you know, means that people who are out of town who will be coming to town, they'll be coming to see the exhibition. And so I'm really. Well, there's more to Detroit than the Motor City. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what is it like to be 85 and see what's happened to you and the appreciation and the notoriety and the respect that you are at the center of? What's that been like for you? Overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But good overwhelming. Good overwhelming, um, good overwhelming, but um, it's been wonderful. I mean, at any age, mm -hmm. <laughs> at any age, this, this, you know, it would be, it was, it's overwhelming. And, you know, and, and of course, especially, you know, with the Detroit Institute of Arts, who has um, been, the museum has just been so important you know, to not only in Detroit, but all over uh, nationally and internationally because of its holdings. Mm -hmm. uh, I take, for example, the Diego Rivera mural uh, and, and, and stands, um, you know, politically behind its choices. Um, I know that, I guess it was Rockefeller Center, if I'm correct, I'm not certain, 
New York um, during that the heyday of uh, McCarthyism and all of that. Uh, they uh, removed Diego Rivera's mural because it became such a political yeah, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but Detroit did not, and it's and people come from all over the world to see it, and and posted. I was taking classes at that time. I didn't even know what any of that was all about. But I remember the um, the sign posted right there in Rivera Court, where the mural is located, a note saying that this, you know, that there is a division between art and um, whatever that statement was all about. But to let everyone know that this this mural would not be removed. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying. So it's really been a pinnacle it's been a grand arts center and you know i'm i'm glad that i you know experienced it and uh you know what it did for me personally and um you know i'm really very proud to have my exhibition there well that's a great way to end and i can't tell you how honored I am to have had this conversation with you and get to meet and get to know you, Shirley. Um, You're really a force to be reckoned with. And quite frankly, thank you for the work that you do. Uh, You're making, (laughs) making this a better place. Thank you so much, Sandy. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.